Welcome to The Bible Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Caleb, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Ferris, I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder. And here we are. Here Third we week are. Third week, week of Lent. Third week of Lent, Halfway there. Oh, Making our way through March. Living on a prayer. Sorry. Indeed. Indeed. So this is like, uh, is this hump week for Lent? This is hump week without this Lent. Like, like this is like the Wednesday of Lent. What's uh, what's going on in uh, your neck of the woods? Are you on spring break yet? We are spring breaking. I'm on vacation because we're doing our big May trip to Spain uh, to walk the Camino. So we're not doing a spring break trip. Uh, so, Matt, you're going to be real surprised with what I'm going to be doing this week. Are you going skiing? I am going skiing. Going to Wyoming. I'll be up in Jackson Hole. Grand, Grand Tetons? Grand. They're, they're grand. They're not just regulars. Mm-hmm. They're grand. Grande, even. Um, yeah, we take a break uh, during the spring break, as you might imagine. So we don't do, uh, we don't do a weekly meal. Everything is on pause. Uh, normally we do a spring break trip. That's our kind of tradition is that normally I'm away on spring break leading a trip. But uh, since we're doing the big May thing uh, for two weeks, we're not going to do a spring break trip right now. So yeah. the vinyl spouse is pleased. <laughs> That's good. That's a good place. Got to keep the vinyl spouses pleased. What is happening? Week three, hump day, Lent. Uh, do you guys taking the week off down there in South LA? Yeah, USC's on spring break uh, the week before. They're on spring break as we're recording this, but uh, my students are all over the place. My spouse will be on spring break the following week, so we're headed to Seattle in the Pacific Northwest for a few days. Hello, Seattle. Don't do that. I know. Every time I book a flight to SeaTac, I just I think of the song. It's so good. Viva Seattle Tacoma. Matt, you're returning to SeaTac. What uh, what are you going to hit up? I've, I've, I travel to Seattle fairly regularly and have a couple of spots thanks to your shepherding that I, that I hit pretty regularly. But what are you, Matt? What are the spots that you are going to hit up? Uh, about once. It's, it's been about once a year lately that I go to Seattle. Uh, <laughs> For work, Matt, for work. Uh, but what are you going to hit up? Nostalgia, what nostalgia-filled places are you going to hit to? Gosh, that's a good question. Well, we'll, we'll have our kids, so that kind of shapes things. I feel like we got to do Pike Place with them. They'll probably get a kick out of the fish. Uh, and uh, probably do Theo Chocolate. Uh, from Hawaii. You might find Theo Chocolate in your high-end grocery stores. But they do have a factory in Seattle. It's a fun visit. Uh and one place I've never been is the uh, the Funko Pop factory in Everett. The what? You know the little Funko dolls? Oh. Are you familiar with these guys? Yeah. These mm-hmm. little things? Who yeah. is that? Yeah. You're showing us here on this audio this, medium. This is, this is old Harrison Ford. Oh. Star Wars? It's, uh, yeah, Star Wars. Uh, and apparently they have a whole like headquarters HQ up in Everett, which is where my uh, former internship supervisor lives. So I'm going to go check that out, maybe. And then uh, we're going to head over to uh, if we can. I decided we should be ambitious and go see Olympic National Park. You should. <laughs> so How are you going to get there? Go drive around. We're going to rent a car and drive around the peninsula. You know, yeah. you so, can go to spoons or forks or whatever it's called. Yeah, Forks. Boy, the first time that we ever went over there, it was like the height of Twilight Fever. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Forks had all that stuff going on. But it's been a few years, so I don't know if Forks is still living high off their Twilight. 
Yeah, I drove through in uh, 2013 or so, and there were, there were, you could get uh, tours and guides, all kinds of stuff there in Forks. Olympic Peninsula, it's a, the Olympic Peninsula is pretty uh, cool. It's like, I mean, you've got rainforest, you've got mountains, you've got uh, this windswept sea. You know, it's it's the it's the cold rainy beaches, uh, not the SoCal beaches. It's just it's a really uh, unique place in North America, I think. So it is a temperate rainforest. It's so crazy. So yeah, that's where we're taking a break in the middle of Lent to do that. Nice, nice man. How is your congregation going to sing the whole evening prayer without you? <laughs> Yeah, we don't do that. Uh, mm. I, wish, I wish we did. I, I love holding evening prayer, but uh, we've never done it. And my musician doesn't play on Wednesdays, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. Matt, I am actually doing uh, tonight in real time, whatever that means for folks listening to the podcast. I'm doing a Let 101 with our students. And uh, I was like, they were like, can we do something like, I don't even know what Lynn is. Can we like learn about it? And I was like, yeah, we'll do like Lent 101. It'll be great. And one of the first questions I had to myself was, what does Lent mean? Have I ever learned that before? Matt, do you know where Lent comes from, where the word Lent comes from, why we use it? Does it, does it mean springtime? It kind of does, I think. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I had to do the research. I didn't know. Uh, so I found myself on uh, etymologyonline.com, which is one of my favorite websites on the internet. And uh, it goes back to an old German word uh, from the lengthening of days. So oh. it kind of means lengthening, which I like, right, as an eco-liturgical kind of nerd, uh, ways yeah. that the liturgical calendars are connected to the, the calendar of the creation itself. It's a thing that gets me excited. Uh, the other angle is I did a little etymology on the word relent, relent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's re-Lent, right? So it's the same Lent as Lent. Uh, and there it said that it came from like a melting, which is, again, another spring sort of image. Uh, and that in particular with relent, uh, it is uh, a melting of a hard heart, is what they said. Hmm. Uh, so we're going to talk about it tonight. Uh, wow. What might Lent look like as the season of melting our hearts uh, or the melting of hard hearts? There's your linen nugget. You gonna have some melted grilled cheese? Ooh. I feel like you need a theme. Just start melting things. Yeah, we do have soup tonight. It's uh, we do do soup. We do do soup. We do soup during it. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's a great little uh, Dan Erlander one sheet on Lent. Might also be fun for you if you want to hand out. Oh man, I will definitely be using that. <laughs> Been a little disappointed in Dan. Sorry, Dan. That his stuff has been moved over to Augsburg Fortress. I mean, yes. I love Augsburg Fortress. Uh, I want to be very clear in how much I enjoy Augsburg Fortress and their products. Yeah. Uh, but right. Um, I uh, his website was so good and useful and helpful and all the things I ever needed were there. And now they're in some different places. So. Yeah, that is my one. Uh, they're they're producing some new resources. Like uh, they did the communion book and they're doing all this stuff around that. I got some of those resources, so I hope they do a similar thing with Men at Mercy. But the clip art, yeah, he used to have all the clip art free on the website that you could just go in and download, which is awesome. And instead they, like, put out a book of of the art, and I'm like, that's not useful. Like, I need a digital copy. Like, I don't just want a book to flip through. But, yeah, otherwise, happy there <laughs> that Augsburg's producing new resources. Yeah. 
we just have some ideas for things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Dive into these tags. Let's get into it. It's, it's. I feel like Matt. Maybe, maybe we're both uh, experiencing uh, what what many church professionals feel during the middle of Lent, during Lent hump days, of uh, of uh, just a lot, a lot going on. I was telling you, uh, I didn't tell you this, but I skied yesterday. I did. Did I tell you this? We were on a phone call. I was at a lodge in a ski resort, living the dream, or so it looked. Because I just needed a day, man. It's just been intense. I was burnt out. Nothing like a ski day to recharge you. See? See, Matt, we're going to go one day, me and you, mammoth. <laughs> they got 10 feet of snow a couple weeks ago, like in a couple days. It's going to be, that's crazy. Also, people, I mean, we know this, Matt. People listen to this podcast for a very short, for about three reasons, right? They want the text. They want the playlist. They also want uh, hot weather takes for locations where they are not. Uh, and Matt, let me tell you, tomorrow at 10 a.m., rolling into the Front Range of Colorado is something called a bomb cyclone. What? I what am that? so excited. I know you're like, everyone do all the things you need to be careful, but... I grew up in the hurricane parts of the world and always got really excited about hurricane season and tracking the hurricanes, you know, and seeing how big they could get and stuff. Uh, Right. So fully asterisk that. Uh, But we got a bomb cyclone, uh, which I read an article today in the Denver Post uh, basically is like a category two hurricane with like feet of snow dropping at the same time. I don't know what that means, uh, but I can't wait to ride out Bomb Cyclone 2K19. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Just you. Wait, man. Oh, I'll let you know if if I make it, uh, if we're able to podcast next week. Uh, who knows Great. what the yeah. Bomb Cyclone is going to drop on us. Should be real intense. Good luck, man. Thank you. Uh, so with that, one last time, Nick, uh, producer Nick, ring the bell because, like, like me, you're gonna have to ride out this bomb cyclone. Um, it's time for the texts. Time for the texts. Uh, middle of Lent, and oh my goodness, we get a vigil reading. Isaiah fifty-five one to nine. You know, Matt, and that. Yes. If you add 10 to 11, as Dr. Ralph Klein might suggest you do, you know what you get? What do you get? Snow! What? There is snow, snow, biblical snow, in verse 10. Wow. This is not just any vigil reading. This is one of the four, like, required, recommended vigil readings mm-hmm. uh, that, you're, that you're supposed to do. They're asterisked because you need to do them. Yeah, and people definitely. I believe it's it's Genesis, Exodus, Isaiah, and Fiery Furnace. Is that right? I believe, yeah. I believe Fiery Furnace. Okay. It should be recorded, but it's not. But this one's always the one that's most challenging for me because it's not a story. It's like a... So I always struggle with how to do it uh, creatively. I agree. I don't... I mean, people know this if they listen to the podcast, but I, I don't love... I mean, maybe it's not that I don't love. It's that I love narratives and stories so much that uh, especially Old Testament readings that aren't stories are just big bummers to me, typically. I always want to build like a like when I imagine the vigil reading, mm-hmm. I always want to like create a story around it. So like it's like a street vendor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like calling out like, hey, free food. You know, like a like a taco, like a little, little taco stand on the yeah. corners in L.A. That's what it'd be like in my context. But it would be free, 
you know I yeah. just I would like construct a little scene around it I feel like if I was gonna set this up I like it uh, my my favorite part uh, <laughs> so, so the first word of this reading is ho ho everyone who thirsts come to the waters ludicrous and, uh, definitely on the playlist this week <laughs> right uh, yeah, you can do this in any area code. But the first, the the uh, the little notes in the lectionary for readers. I don't know what it's actually called. It's like the, the little lectionary for for readers here. Lectionary for worship, year A, study edition, uh, copyright two thousand seven, Augsburg Fortress. Love Augsburg Fortress. Great publishers. Uh, but the notes say great publishers uh, AF. Per, perhaps notes say perhaps the toughest part of this reading is the first word ho. It is. <laughs> It, you want to listen to this part? It is the equivalent of yo in the common parlance of the young. <laughs> Isn't that phenomenal? <laughs> Great publishers AF, man. <laughs> in the common parlance of the young. Of the young. Uh, in, the, in the 90s. Yo, MTV raps. <laughs> Here we are. Here we yeah, are. Yeah, I just yeah, say yeah. hey. I feel like you just changed it to hey. That's mm. what I recommend, but... <laughs> anyway, it's free food. I mean, this is clearly like an alternate eco- alternative economy here, which is just, uh, just, uh, yeah. Why do you, and then this line in verse two, why mm-hmm. do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? I mean, who does that not apply to, right? I mean, what a, it's just such a convicting line. Right? Oh. It also gives me, uh, as a hipster, I'm not a self-proclaimed hipster, but people put hipster on me sometimes. And I guess in the circles in which we live, Matt, I am a hipster. Which is like, like when we were at that conference and they said hipster and then they gave you a pointed look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know real hipsters. I've seen like they live in my town, right? They're just not clergy and or a part of the evangelical Lutheran church in America. Um uh, but as a as a person having who's had that label thrust upon them, uh, this gives me a good excuse for all the charcuterie and rich foods that I eat. Uh, delight yourselves in rich food. Is a portico ad in the text? It's a portico ad. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing, the thing about this convicting line: uh, spend your money for that which is not bread, your labor for that which does not satisfy. Is that the the like embedded in there? It's it's like the um, the grace of an alternative is embedded in the line, right? It's not just like you're a bad person, feel mm-hmm. bad, but it's like, you know, there's this there's this alternative, and you're just you're 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 doing the opposite, but it's but it's right here if you would only uh, take it. I mean, it's just it's sort of it's. I think that's what makes the line so rich is that that's kind of embedded right in there for that, which does not satisfy. It implies that there is something that would satisfy. Yeah. Not every convicting line does that, but this one, this one, it's like embedded right in there. I am intrigued in those first lines by Isaiah's invitation to buy, uh, <laughs> which is perplexing to me, right? Yeah. Uh, come buy and eat without money and without price. Buy wine and milk. Which I think might pull us a little deeper into something here other than Ooh. just like a, a grazing table at a crappy hotel ballroom. But you still need yeah. to buy it. That's interesting. Right. Yeah, it reminds me. And I don't know if this is where Isaiah would want to take us. But um, when I was take, teaching a, a kind of an intro to Lutheranism class last year in Lent and I had been reading the cost of discipleship. And so I brought up the cheap grace and costly grace. And someone asked like a genuine question about like, well, how does that make any sense? Like I thought that grace is, is this free gift. How are you talking about a costly 
grace. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and maybe there's a similar thing here where it's like, yeah, it's, it's free in terms of things like, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to cost you money, but at the same time, it's going to cost you everything, which is different than costing a hundred dollars, some exorbitant fee costing you. Everything is something different, right? Yeah. The other thing that's happening here, Matt, that is interesting is that there's an expansion of the promise. We did a, an expansion of the promise last week as well, uh, where Abram, Abram, not yet Abraham, was like, hey, uh, you know, a firstborn son would be great. And God's like, you want one son? Have I got a deal for you? Uh, and says, you know, uh, you'll have more descendants than the stars. Uh, but here, uh, Isaiah is kind of recounting the promises that, that God made to David. I made David a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the people, uh, commander for the peoples. But then that promise, the promise that was made to David as the anointed one, now gets expanded to the whole people. And so you shall call nations that you do not know, um, and the nations that you do not know shall run to you uh, because God has glorified you. So that promise to David now expanding and includes not only your leaders, perhaps, uh, we're coming off the end of this stretch of patriarchs, even. You can see it that way. Uh, but here it's expanded, and everybody's a part of that work. Yeah, there's definitely something expansive in there. When you get into verse 5 and and so on. I think verse 6 there, too, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near, is going to be really relevant when we get to the gospel. I think that's part of the tie-in hmm. um, that we'll see in a little bit. Yeah, I would expand yeah. it. I would think it, it takes a, a Ron Rude turn here. Ron Rude, our colleague, our former, our now retired colleague in Tucson, uh, who loves to help us uh, think about the world in less anthropocentric, less human-centric ways. Because uh, you get it into it in verse 9, and, and um, if we're going to follow Ralph Klein, and include 10 and 11. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then into 10, where the reading cuts off. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. Uh, so you got this promise that starts with just David, gets expanded to all the people, and here it is, all of creation is a part of this promise and participates in it. It's costly. Mm -hmm. It is costly to the clouds to give us rain. Um, right? Uh, whew, I like that. It is. Hey, yeah. there's something poetic for you, for you jerks free. It is costly <laughs> for the clouds to give us rain. Mm -hmm. Good and stuff. snow. It's costly for the clouds <laughs> to give me that sweet, sweet, freshy, freshy pow pow. <laughs> Oh, it just keeps going. It's good. You shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills. Why are we cutting this we'll off? Break forth before you. We'll, we'll oh, that's burst that into songs. Long. All the trees yeah. of the field shall clap their hands like the ants. Yeah. Instead of the we thorn, a... the cypress comes up. Instead of the briar, the myrtle. Yeah, we have a song that we sing at uh, St. Mark's with the, with those lines. You shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. Trees of the fields shall clap their hands. And then everyone claps their hands. It's great. It's a great little ditty for uh, ascending song. It's, it's from Isaiah 55, huh? It's from Isaiah 55. You can sing it at the vigil. Because you normally <laughs> yeah. have the vigil story and then you have a song afterwards. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing for a vigil this year, Zach. I don't have any baptisms. So I just, uh, I don't know. I was thinking about a virtual vigil. I got all these movies that I've made over the years. You do have. <laughs> <laughs> it should vigil. be, you know, Matt. 
<laughs> Maybe we should do that next year uh, and spend the summer. This is an offline conversation happening online, but it could be the vinyl. Oh, that could be pretty good. The vinyl preacher virtual vigil. Uh, I don't know if virtual is the right word, right? But you could put the stories back to back with the songs, so like, and we could pick a playlist to go with the songs that aren't traditional yeah. hymns and stuff. Yep. See, see. Fantastic. Man, if somebody would pay for that. <laughs> Patreon subscribers. We could, well, if we had a great publisher, AF. Uh, uh, we could work with uh, that video production company. What's it called? <laughs> Do you want to move to Corinthians or the gospel? Uh, let's hit the Corinthians because it's super problematic, yo. Uh oh. Ho. First Corinthians 10. I was so into it the first few verses and then it goes bad right I do not want to be unaware (laughs) brothers and sisters speaking about costly grace that all our ancestors were all under the cloud they all passed through the sea they all were baptized into Moses they all ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink all all, all. nevertheless God was not pleased with most of them and they were struck down in the wilderness oh I was like oh we're building this beautiful picture of oneness with the ancestors and they're like (laughs) nevertheless uh, God done killed them and it gets worse, man. Yep. Uh, some innuendo here. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual morality, immorality, uh, as some of them did. And 23,000 yeah. died in a single day. Yeah, why do we have this bit on sexual immorality? This is an odd thing to... Right? Food here in the midst of Lent, uh, while our denominations are engaged in interesting conversations around this Nadia put out a new book on sexual human sexuality you know mm-hmm. Christian sexual ethics and uh, and so did the conference of bishops so you know it's just uh, interesting stuff going on what a time to be alive what a time to be alive and a hipster in the church uh, so if you were looking for some sort of defense of this Matt of the reading what I found was a commentator who said that uh, primarily what uh, uh, Paul is trying to make a point about idols uh, and spiritual food and drink uh, is the in eating the, the blood the food of, of, of sacrifices mm. which is the connection with why it's here, here with the gospel where we're going because it's about mingling blood right and so oh gosh I don't know what you do I don't know what you do here Matt because it's so like whoa um yeah it feels like you got to address it but if you address it i think this is the road you have to go down right the lectionary notes uh here say uh this reading calls for a firm voice tempered by love what <laughs> Does that... who writes these things i don't <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> yeah it's a it's a challenging one so luke <laughs> so luke <laughs> I bet if we got into this, we could get, I mean, into the Corinthians, we could get enough innuendo and entendre that we could lose a deal with a great publisher AF. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we did read a lot of 1 Corinthians earlier in the year. We're doing, uh, making our way through 12 and 13 chapters, about 11, 12, and 13. We could have really uh, gone deep, but we're not going to do that for you. Nope. Good luck. Sexual immorality. I'm sure it's not that hard. Luke 13. Hippity hopping. Jumping around here, Matt. So at that time, Matt, and at that time here means Kairos. We did some Kronos and Kairos a couple weeks ago uh, where uh, the devil waits for an opportune time. Kairos, unlike Kronos, which is like your digital watch. 
uh, Carlos is at more theological time. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, which sounds super intense, man. <laughs> Super intense. And uh, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? And Jesus says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed in the Tower of Siloam, uh, when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders or debtors than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. And then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the vine dresser, See here for three years, throughout all three years of the lectionary, year A, year B, year C, I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? And he replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year. Wait till you hear the year A text one more time. And give me a little bit of time to dig around it and put manure on it. And if it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. A super clear week of preaching, Matt. I don't see why we even need to record a podcast. <laughs> Indeed. So this would be a great uh, sermon illustration for your children's sermon. Uh, bring out some, bring out some manure. You know, they always talk about like u- utilizing the senses in worship. You know, you want to have uh, freshly baked bread or your, uh, you know, your incense. And this is a, just another form of a sensory, sensory intake here. Oh goodness, uh, yeah, that's uh, that'd be a good one. The big one. I've been doing a good children's sermon. I've been farming a student to go out with me to local congregations and do the children's sermon. Nice. Well done. Fun fact about uh, this fig tree. So the fig tree uh, metaphor shows up again in Matthew uh, and in Mark. Uh, the gospel writers love this fig tree thing. But in those two stories, Jesus shows up and curses the fig tree, and the fig tree is done. That's what I thought was going to happen, yeah. Yeah, but here, there's, it's like there's still time. There's a warning, but the fig tree has not yet been uh, cut down or cursed. There's, there's still time. There's still time in Luke's story. Well, here's my question, Matt. I know, so parables, we could do the whole parables thing, but one of the things about parables, right, is there's no right way to read the story and that it can be approached from many angles. And the idea is to enter fully into the parable and let it twip you up, flip you upside down to help you better understand reality. But I'm going to ask the question here, uh, where's Jesus at? Who is God in this story? Yes, please. You could, gosh, Wow. I mean, it's obviously both characters, right? There are only two characters in this little vignette. Uh, you have the man, which is literally not man. I was a little disappointed on that. I had some ideas there. but uh, And you have the gardener or vine dresser. I think that most people are going to hear it, that God is the man. But we covered that last week. God is not a man, but God is phallic. So perhaps it's more important to help people see that, that Jesus could be the gardener, uh, who is the one. Because uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think that gets communicated very much in these other texts that God is, is patient and graceful, um, but that Jesus could be the one who who makes time, who makes for that extra year, who puts manure on us. Yeah, I mean, there's a there there are two things happening at once. I know this is surprising that there's uh, something uh, 
slightly confusing about it. But the, I mean, I do think like the, the two things can be true, that there can be this uh, there's fierce urgency of now. Right. There's an urgency to the text like, hey, like there's there's something worth paying attention to. It's time to wake up like that's and yet that there is uh, time available. Right. This isn't the this isn't a, a story of just, you know, un, unavoidable doom. This isn't Thanos uh, run from it, uh, but you cannot escape it destiny comes for you uh this is no there there is still time so i I don't know if the grace is that moment of time the the grace is the the kairos moment the Mm. the, this this space that is given to you uh and in some way it is always given to you right um but but it's important to maintain that sense of urgency right because if we just say yeah jesus is always going to keep gardening so really like there's no urgency at all um we don't want to lose that bite either Uh, but there can be both bite and grace at the same time I don't think I love these texts, man. Um, and the gospel feels disjointed, doesn't it? I mean, I think uh, one through five there, where we're talking about the sinners, the Galileans, and the mixed, uh, mixed, the mingled blood, feels kind of like theodicy, right? What a bad things happen, tie them with this repent stuff, which is super prominent in all over Luke. Um, but then this parable seems disconnected from that, right? Yeah, but I think he dismisses. I think Jesus like like steps aside from that theodicy question and just comes back at them with this urgency, right? To say, yeah, yeah, no, that's not why they died. Um, but look, death is always close. Like your time is always limited. He's, I think there is still this this urgency in that, and then I think the urgency moves to like, I think I think the second part of what Jesus is saying is connected to that parable. Wake up, repent, and yet the repentance, like it's that both in, it's that push pull that also happens in Isaiah, right? Where it's like here, like here, here, here is the good thing being offered to you, right? It's not just stop doing what is bad, but it's like come to this, come to this thing. Here's the invitation. Here's the table. The table is here now. Come to it now. And we're always in that moment of now. Uh, but yeah, I think and that's where I see it, man. That's where I see it. I see the grace in the, the moment of time that we're, that we're in. Maybe Jesus is calling us out of the why question. Maybe that's, and that's where I personally, I think I find myself uh, these days when, um, when people want to have a conversation with me about like, why do bad things happen? Right. More or less. Uh, is that I don't know how helpful that question is. Can we just be moved into the now instead of spending all of our time in this reflection on why this is? If why is about the past, it's calling us out of that and into the present. And if you're looking for that connection to 1 Corinthians, uh, when has the church ever made an idol of the past? Like I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but I imagine the church has done that at some point. Um, and it's it's perhaps it could be Paul calling us out of that idolatry as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's I think there's there's like there's two different approaches to a why question, right? There's the there's the why that can lead you into a bottomless pit where there really there really isn't an answer, right? There's that kind of why where you can. Where You're you not can familiar kind of with that to, kind of why, are you? <laughs> yeah, as a as a philosophy uh, major, you just get stuck there. Uh, or there's the kind of why we're like, yeah, we do all try to make sense out of our lives. And that making sense uh, then takes shape in the life that you lead going forward. Right. And I think there is a need for us to, like, make sense of our lives. And in some way, yeah, that's just 
it's constructing something out of it. And and that's kind of what Jesus does here too, right? This thing happened and he's like, there, he's not going to get to this ultimate reason, but he says, but you can look at that and see how it might shape, reflecting on it might shape your life going forward. And that's a different way of reflecting on the why, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think that, I think the, a constructive why versus an unconstructive, inconstructive, de- not deconstructive, a non-constructive why, I think could be a helpful way of, of framing them. That, it, that Jesus is pulling us into this constructive now. Pulling us into the manure. Pulling us into the manure. Just like Biff Tannen in Back to the Future 3. Um, which, <laughs> well done. Well done, Matt. Took me a moment. Uh, to reflect, to throw that lens back on the Isaiah 55, I imagine, uh, well, our friend Ralph says that this is post-exilic, uh, and so coming back into the land sort of things, and perhaps the temptation coming back into the land uh, is the temptation to recreate what was there when David was king, uh, and that this is a story about saying not to re- this is not a time to recreate what David did, but an expansion of the promise that pulls all of you into here and now, that this is the place and you are the people uh, where we will, this is the place where we'll buy bread and milk with no money. And makes us all a part of them, and the world a part of them. Right. But he gets around to my good news, Matt, and I think it can work. I had, had a different angle because I was a little more theodistic than you, but you convinced me. You called me out of it. Uh, uh, here's my good news, um, Matt. I think God is the vine dresser. That's what I'm going to go with. Uh, and I think the good news is that your soil is not wasted. Uh, right, like the man says, uh, your soil is not wasted, and the shit you are knee deep in is not a sign of your unfaithfulness. Rather, it is a sign of uh, the God of love at work in you. That I think oftentimes, at least speaking for myself, uh, sometimes I can look around and see the soil that I am rooted in as a wasted, barren, basically Mars, uh, cold, dead rock, and could pine for the days when. I was in a temperate rainforest, uh, but Jesus in this urgency calls us into this place, that, that this is the place. Uh, that's, a, that's how the Mormons got into Utah. This is the place. Um, <laughs> They're not Mormons any, anymore, by the way. I mean, the Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. Does that work for you, Matt? Do you buy that? you buy my good news? Yeah, it works. I like it. Yeah, I'm going to be stuck on the time this week because I, I always feel like um, I can get stuck in a place of uh, it's too late. I've wasted the day. <laughs> I've wasted the decade. <laughs> and, uh, yes. Yes. and yet uh, that's all this morning. Like, no, like, <laughs> no, that like this this day is still here. For, like this day is still the gift to you. This is still the day that the Lord has made this. Uh, the time is always ripe to do what is right, as King said. Uh, and I think that's good news, too. I think that that to truly stay is the gift. Uh, that's. Yeah, there's there's a moment of opportunity even now, even after all the uh, <laughs> even after all that you've done or have not done, the opportunity still lies ahead of you, and that's that's good news, I think. That is good news. I like it. So Matt, then what are you going to be? I don't know. I don't want to know, Matt, what you're going to listen to tomorrow, or oh, I don't I don't want to you listen to yesterday. I want to know what you are listening to right now, in this moment, <laughs> now. <laughs> Uh, for as the heavens are higher than the earth and my ways are higher than your ways, uh, I'm going to be listening to Steve Winwood's Higher Love. Give me a higher love. Ooh. 
And, uh, <laughs> and if it does not bear fruit, cut it down. Johnny Cash, God's going to cut you down. There it is. There it is. <laughs> so good. So good. Johnny Cash, voice in the wilderness. Um, and then uh, Zach went to see, I went to the movies, which is something that some of us do. Surprise. <laughs> went to see Captain Marvel. Because I gotta know what's happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You gotta know. Gotta know. I just feel like you gotta support these little indie pictures, or else they're not gonna make them anymore. So I wanted to go and support it. And it was set in the '90s. There was so much '90s fan service. It was, it was wonderful. '90s soundtrack all over the place. So I had to think of a '90s song. And uh, don't wait, Zach. I you, you gotta you gotta get started now. Uh, and I just I don't want to wait. For our lives to be over, <laughs> Paula Cole. Uh, Paula Cole. I don't want to wait. Uh, which sadly makes me think of Dawson's Creek. Yeah, it <laughs> does. Song. Yes. Um, but uh, such a great, <laughs> but such a great uh, chorus for this week of uh, the fierce urgency of now. Oof, I like it, man. You know, and I. I mean, I'm assuming now you'd like to hear the songs that I'm listening to in this moment. Yes. But you know, I could go on talking or. I could stop or I could write out, uh, I could ring out each memory until I get every drop, sift through the details of the others involved. But the true crime would be thinking it's just one person's fault. It's like an honest signature on a fake ID, like a, a guilty conscience with an innocent plea. You know, I don't know what else you wanted me to say to you. Things happen. That's all they ever do. Dawes, things happen. It's really one of my favorite songs they do. I think that's a part of what the text is saying. Things happen. That's all they ever do. Love that song. Then, Matt, you convinced me of, of the fierce urgency of now. And so I'm going Now or Never by Halsey. Halsey. Halsey, of course, featured on that, ch- that, that, that collab with the Chainsmokers about the town in which I live, in which people have been stealing that's mattresses true. from roommates. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. From time in memoriam. Uh, and then finally, I'm going to go with the Eurythmics. Uh, here comes the rain again, because I like that rain line in Isaiah. And I think there's something to the rain here. Yes. I like Here Comes the Rain again. You know, I almost went with an Annie Lennox song, too. Ooh. Would have been perfect. She's got that song, Why? <laughs> and there was that yeah, yeah. question at the beginning, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Eurythmics. Good stuff. Hmm. Oh, man. It feels like hump day, doesn't it? Yeah, next week we'll be in the uh, back half of Lent. Back half, just glide on down to Holy Week. (laughs) (laughs) Which I have to do. I have to do Holy Week this year. Yeah, so that's going to be real. Real vinyl.